0: Did we just witness 110 points scored by the Notre Dame basketball team and 20 made three-pointers? Wow. And a victory on top of it? we got to talk about that today. Let's go. Wednesday edition, Locked On Irish podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Greg Schaefer, your lead host of the official Notre Dame podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network so excited to be with you guys hope you're having a great week we're almost there we've almost made it to the weekend got a good show ahead of you today but but first make sure you're following us out there at locked on irish on twitter on facebook we're on all the usual suspects itunes spotify stitcher google play you pick it we're out there the official notre dame podcast on this network is here let's do this thing big show today Going to talk about just that. Notre Dame over Detroit. Not a great win oh, as far as the opponent. That was not a good team. However, a lot of signs for optimism after that game. A few bright spots that I think we can build on. And I mean, 110 points in 40 minutes is it's incredible. And shooting that efficiently. But we'll get there. Uh second segment today, we're going to talk about what they're saying up in Ames, Iowa, and how the fans may have been what ultimately pushed. Iowa State over the edge as being chosen for uh, this Camping World Bowl as Notre Dame's opponent, despite being roughly the sixth best team in the Big 12. And this bowl slot typically goes to the second best team in the Big 12. And then in our final segment, we got some Brandon Wimbush news. And I'm also going to give you some history of the Camping World Bowl and just talk about what it is, where it came from, and uh, have we been here before? I think you'll find out that we have. So let's talk about last night's game. I mean, it feels good to get a victory. I there's nothing as far as the opponent and, and a win. Okay, we got a, a win. Awesome, it's great. Well, you take a win any day of the week, especially how we've been playing. Seventh win of the season, but guys, it's a one and eight team. It's a one and eight basketball team that we made look look difficult early. It took a little bit to get us going, and I'm not real sure why. Is that what's stopping us in these games, is that we, we're just a little slow to start? You know, we get out, and at one point in time in this game, you got to look at just the little details. You know, we're eight minutes into this game, and it's 16-12. to 12. Detroit's playing right there with us, and I mean, all they have is Antoine Davis, who, as I said yesterday got his, didn't he? He had 27 points on 12 of 21. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to happen. That's all they do. Now, I, after watching him play a little bit, I'd like to see how he. he's extremely undersized, in my opinion. I, I'd like to see how he would do on a better team, even like a Boston College, not even like a, a good team. Or Notre Dame. How would he do? Because is he just getting all these points because, one, his dad's the coach. They run the offense through him. He's pretty talented. He's a talented kid. Uh, could he is could he play anywhere else I'd I'd love to know what he would look like or how he would contribute to another team I mean I don't think this kid could play for Duke except for maybe off the bench um sometimes you see that in the NBA you see a guy oh he averaged 20 some points with this team he gets traded now he's averaging like 15 points with this team and it's like well what happened well you know somebody's got to score the points you know if you score 60 70 points somebody's going to be your leading scorer and it just so happens that this kid's just that much more talented than everybody else he's playing with it'll be interesting to see along the way can they win any more games this season but we're talking about the irish here and, and i mean reasons for optimism now i know we struggled just a little bit early but ultimately we put this one to bed pretty quickly Jumped out. We got up. You know, two minutes to go in the half. We're up by uh, thirteen points. Uh, Things are looking good. We're shooting the ball well. We're rebounding well. Uh, There wasn't much to dislike about this game. Again, you you kind of knew what was going to happen with this team. You know, you knew that Davis was going to get his points. They, only, they had three uh, three other guys in double figures. Uh, Calipari's kid had four three-pointers. I mean, what are you going to do? He played at Kentucky, contributed. He made the team. I mean, part of that could be because his dad was the coach. I get that. But, um, you know, you, you kind of live with stuff like that right there. And we beat this team by 39 points. They are 1-8, and eight, but nobody's beat them down like we beat them down last night. Uh, that puts 7 and 1 at home on the season. So it's a good feeling there. And you know, despite the fact that you know we got out to the 16 point lead at halftime. That's great. We really put this thing to bed after halftime. Uh, Mooney had a nice night, 15 points. Uh, Dunham had or Durham, Dunham, yeah, him too. Durham had a nice night with 16 points. Shot 6 of 7 from the field. Mooney shot 7 of 9 from the field. Gibbs, despite his 18 points, still with six of 15, and all six of his made shots came from beyond the arc. I I don't, he is just so inefficient right now. Do we even want Gibbs taking that many shots? I mean, I'm asking the question because I don't know. I I truly, truly don't know. Uh, But, hey, let's talk about welcome to the party. Dang Goodwin. 10 of 13 from the field, 27 points. Is this something here? Five three-pointers. We had five three-pointers from Dane Goodwin. I, I mean, we have to have that moving forward to be successful. Guys, we hit 20 of 39 from three-point land. Did we find something? We also hit all eight of our foul shots. There's a good chance we didn't find a dang thing tonight or last night. There is a real good chance we didn't find a stinking thing because of the opponent and being at home. I, I, I truly believe that. We may not have found a single thing. However, despite the team being 1-8, and eight, nobody's put up 110 on them. Nobody's beat them by 39. The team looked ready to go. They looked motivated. They looked ready to go. They played aggressive outside of that slow start. When it was 16-12, I was like, are you kidding me right now? Is it really this difficult? And then the team lit it up, and when I really think about it, with eight minutes into the game, you only have 16 points, and then the rest of the way... You were able to put up ninety-four more points in 32 minutes of basketball. It's it's actually pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive what the team pulled off tonight. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm I'm pretty happy with what I seen out there. You know, everybody shot very efficiently. Like I said, Durham six of seven, Mooney seven of nine. Outside of Gibbs, who has been wildly inconsistent, Prentice Hub kind of struggled at five of ten. Um, you know, Goodwin was 10 of 13 from the field. We out-rebounded this team. We did exactly what you think an ACC team should do against Detroit Mercy. Detroit Mercy, that's a that's just a bad team. I'm not – I don't know. I don't know if that's the worst team we've played. Howard was pretty bad. Uh, they didn't have anybody like Davis on their team. So I, I venture to say Mercy could probably beat Howard, but I'm not real sure. Out-rebounded this team by 12, um, 11 rebounds by Mooney, had a double-double. You know, nothing nothing really to get too upset about. Five blocks by Durham, uh, just, just an all-in-all pretty good night. Again, I liked the aggressive play, I liked the ball movement. The shooting, I mean, the shooting was the highlight of the night. Um, and we have an insanely good opportunity ahead of us coming on Saturday. We are playing UCLA, who, yes, is a brand name like a notre dame like a notre dame is in football i I think ucla is more of a brand name in basketball than notre dame is in basketball i don't want to compare the two's success because ucla is obviously one of the blue bloods more titles than really anybody but you know they are struggling their best wins uc santa barbara Uh, i mean they're doing exactly what we're doing they have a loss to hofstra they're 7-3, and three, just like us. They're coming to South Bend, and this is really the kind of game that could turn things around for us. Get a little momentum. We play this Saturday, and we have an entire week off before the Crossroads Classic against Indiana the next Saturday, and then we get Alabama a and Could we be in for three a uh, three-game, four-game winning streak here? I don't think so because Indiana looks really damn good, and it's going to be tough, tough to take out the Hoosiers. Uh, one more note here. I got to say, I'm still just, I don't know if Pfluger just doesn't have that step right now after being out all last season. I, I truly don't know. I mean, even with the, you know, just terrible opponent, in 17 minutes only had one three-pointer made, Uh, you know, wasn't incredibly effective, uh, getting steals, didn't have a block, uh, had a turnover, wasn't on the boards, he had four assists, but... You know, it, it's nice to have him back and it's a good story and he seems like a great kid, but I just, you know, this this guy, I don't think's the one to carry us to the promised land like a lot of people kind of think that, you know, Rex Pfluger is. And I think a lot of people are seeing that, especially with this level of competition. So with that said, we'll take the victory and move on. So let's give a shout out to our sponsors real quick at Spotify Wrapped. If you are a, a Spotify listener, which you should be if you listen to this show, Use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at Locked On Irish on Twitter, and we will share and retweet your tweet. So let's send it out to our other sponsors, and we will be right back to talk a little bit about what they're saying up in Ames, Iowa, right after this. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish podcast hump day edition. That joke is horribly played out, but hey, it is what it is. I wonder how much kickback they get if like people say it. Are they like trying to copyright that whole spiel, like people saying it, like Ohio State did the the Ohio State is that thing happening? I mean, I'm not firing shots at Ohio State, but it's pretty dumb that you're trying to copyright a word such as that, such as the. But in any event uh i like to spy on the enemy a little bit and not to say spy on the enemy per se but i i like to look around and see what these other schools are saying and in my in my research uh on sunday i noticed that uh iowa state travels really well who knew i had no idea this fan base was so passionate i mean i've seen their games on tv and you know it looks fun and the atmosphere is really good and it seems like they sell pretty well. But I mean, I guess in Ames, Iowa, you don't have a pro team. You, you you know, when you grow up in Iowa, I'm sure it's like any other state with two major, uh, major colleges. You grow up one way or the other. And, you know, so if you're living in Ames, the majority of people are Iowa state fans. And so you, you really only have one thing, you know, you have that, you got the Iowa Cubs up there, you know, it's AAA baseball, but you know, Iowa State is essentially your pro team in basketball, football. So I get it, but it was interesting to me. I found this article from the Gazette up there that really the fans may have drove the decision for the Camping World Bowl to select them. Uh, Matt Campbell talks about here how it's what well, you know, what an opportunity it is, gives a little coach speak about. How it's just such a great opportunity and they're really fortunate to end their season about with play, getting to play Notre Dame. Yeah, no crap. I don't disagree. You went seven and five, essentially the sixth best team in the Big Twelve, and your award is to play a ranked Notre Dame team that's ten and two for first meeting ever. I mean, this is just this is probably the second best thing they could have envisioned outside of playing in a New Year's six bowl. I mean, I don't think Iowa State went into this season with aspirations to playoffs, so they're looking New Year's six. I mean, next step down would be like, hey, let's play Notre Dame at the Camping World Bowl, which has one heck of a payout in Orlando. Let's get the heck out of Ames, Iowa, and head down to Orlando and play against Notre Dame with a chance to knock them off because they have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. It's essentially like the Rutgers Pinstripe Bowl a few years back. I'm a huge fan of the Pinstripe Bowl. Maybe I'll harp on that another day. But man, you know, Rutgers had nothing to lose that that game either. And that, you know, both those games were in kind of that same tone of the the opponent did nothing for us it was a six and six Rutgers we got a seven and five Iowa State albeit I think this Iowa State team is much much better than what that Rutgers team was but still at the end of the day we we gain nothing by this um and you know they're gonna have quite a bit of a following not only at the game and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute what I teased earlier. But I do think this game outdraws the Cotton Bowl. You know, Norvell just left Memphis for Florida State. He's not coaching the bowl game. That is a struggle for a college football team. It is a struggle to fill that void when your head coach leaves. Penn State's coming in to the New Year's Six game. I mean, Memphis is going to show nothing. Me and Mark talked about that yesterday. As far as a following, I doubt they get many people there. Penn State should travel well. But as far as eyes on TV, what are you watching? Are you watching Iowa State and the fifth best passer in the country looking to knock off Notre Dame at noon? And it's Notre Dame fans, you know who's tuning into that. So, you know, there's not much passion brings out a lot of things in people. Whether you love something or hate something, you'll tune in. I'm not a Patriot fan. If they're on and they're almost getting beat, I'm gonna sit there and watch it. The Cowboys, the same way. When people are passionate about things one way or another, whether it be I love this team you're obviously going to get the the viewers. If you hate a team, you're probably going to get the viewers too. A lot of people are pretty indifferent on Penn State other than things that have happened off the field. Nobody cares about Memphis. Sorry, I love the Liberty Bowl personally. I don't mind Memphis football. In fact, if I was a mid-level recruit, I'd love to play in the Liberty Bowl every Saturday. But the bottom line is nobody cares about that game. People are going to care about a lot of points, Iowa State, flashy offense, flashy opponent Notre Dame. So, let's get to these fans a little bit. What I teased earlier and I don't want don't want to miss it before we got to go to break again, but I uh, big, you know, they mentioned in this article, a big part of Iowa State's fan base hit up the Liberty Bowl a couple years back and they had about 25,000 fans. Last season they accounted for 30,000 fans at the Alamo Bowl. That's insane. I had no idea that Iowa State traveled that well. And it really makes sense because now that I'm really having time to reflect on this because we thought it'd be Texas, right? Texas, Iowa, uh, Texas, Notre Dame, Camping World Bowl. It's going to draw great numbers. It's going to draw great attendance. But then if you really think about it, Texas is going to the Alamo Bowl against Utah. Let's trade opponents real quick. Iowa State against Utah in the Alamo Bowl. No bueno. I, I don't see that drawing well at all. Of course, then the, the whole enchilada goes to Texas Notre Dame. You flip the opponents around, and you have Texas Utah Alamo Bowl. That's a sellout. You know, Utah was a pretty good team. They were a fringe playoff team this year. And then you got Texas basically playing a quasi home game. It's a sellout. You don't, can't tell me these bowl these bowl committees don't talk to one another. You just can't tell me that. I, I do think they share ideas. They talk to each other. I, I think they try to do what works best, and I think the networks have some involvement in that. Yes, Texas and Utah is going to be pretty good rating. On the flip side of that, now Notre Dame and I, whatever bowl Iowa State was going to was going to be relatively a struggle from a ratings perspective. But now, with the knowledge of who they're playing and the knowledge of how well they travel place is going to be sold out and all eyes are going to be on this game i really do think it's going to stack up well the new Year's six sells itself regardless of who's playing in it so that's already taking care of itself these camping world bowls and things of that nature you kind of got to get a little creative with the opponents and the matchups and I did think it was interesting that they traveled this well. I had no idea. And it does show the life that Matt Campbell has really breathed into this program. It's really impressive. Now, they went on to talk about how um, Iowa State's going to be responsible for 8,000 tickets. And the Iowa State Athletic Directors, Director, Jamie Pollard, said that the planners earlier that week... Um, he talked about if they picked Iowa State, he said that you're going to need a pep rally space that can hold 12 to 15,000 people. And Pollard said that that caught their attention a little. Yeah, you think? I bet when these bowl organizers said, oh, yeah, you're responsible for 8,000 tickets, you know, Iowa State was, because unless they're, you know, maybe they knew the numbers a little better than I did, but maybe they thought, huh, yeah, they were probably sweating to sell, you know, 6,500 and 8,000 tickets is like, I think Iowa State's like, ha, And I'll raise you that, that by times three. I mean, that is, it's truly impressive that they're traveling that well. And good for them. I mean, it's nice to see another fan base, another team trying to really build a following here in the Midwest and uh, really create some buzz around their program. It's unfortunate that, you know, it, the results just haven't been there yet. Matt Campbell's been a nice coach, three straight years to a bowl game for only, I think it's the second time in the school's history. It's great. But now it's time to get that team to the next level, especially if he stays there at Iowa State. you got to show me a little bit more, Matt Campbell. I think you're a good coach. I think you can can do a lot of good things there. I think you are doing a lot of good things there. But as of right now, you're just getting your team to mid-level bowl games. Get your team to a Big 12 title game. Get your team talked about maybe in the same light as utah where you were a win away from a playoff or or you're threatening a a playoff team yeah this year you lost by one to oklahoma but give me a big win you went seven and five this year that's awesome but that's what we're talking about is all your really close losses but we're not talking about the big win that you had this year so let's go to break and when we come back we're going to talk about the history of the camping world bowl and also a little brandon Wimbush news right after this all right, guys, locked on Irish Podcast Wednesday edition. Let's wrap this thing up today. So, this Camping World Bowl, you might say, uh, Camping World Bowl, what is this thing? Well, if you feel like we've been here before, you would be correct. We were here back in 2011 against Florida State, a game that we had signed, sealed, delivered. It's ours and that game did not work out so well we were up 14 to 3 in that game headed into the fourth quarter and somehow some way gave up 15 unanswered points in the fourth quarter ew 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 a day that the offense just really just could not get going couldn't get going and then tommy reese had three interceptions that helps nothing uh, a game that was really split down the middle um you know time of possession was split 29 51 to thirty o nine for notre dame 290 290 total yards for florida state 280 for notre dame i mean we're talking split down the middle the offense just never really could find that extra gear i mean we scored um scored 14 points but one of the touchdowns was a fumble return by zeke mata um it's a game that i i look back on and you know michael floyd Sat out the last drive. We had the ball. We had the ball to win this game. And Floyd sits out the last drive of his Notre Dame career. And I'll never, ever forget that. Um, you know, we had that game in the bag. It felt like that was a wrap and beat Florida State. What a great feeling it's going to be. You know, it was a rough season, eight and four. That was the season that started off with South Florida. And on the first drive of the game, I'm being told to sit down by a guy behind me because that's what Notre Dame, a lot of Notre Dame fans do, the sit-down crowd. I had one of them behind me. If you've been to any a half of a game, you know what I'm talking about. And we're having a back-and-forth, and I'm all excited. And then Jonas Gray fumbles, and it's returned all the way by D.D. Lattimore, and I will never forget that. And after that game, I really did think, like, okay, now that team's probably going to win – the Big East at the time. Okay, that's fine. We can deal with that. And I think they ended up going four and eight that season. That was the Skip Holtz South Florida Bulls. But, uh, yeah, yeah the, yes, we've been here before. So, this is actually a relatively old bowl, though. This bowl's been around since 1990. And wait for it. Do you know what it was called then? The Blockbuster Bowl. Attended by 74,000 people, though. It was Florida State and Penn State. Talk about the day when the bowls used to really matter. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Number six and number seven met in 1990 in a blockbuster bowl. I mean, we're talking this is New Year's Six stuff. That, that's that's a big-time game. 24-17, to 17, victory for Florida State in front of 74,000 people. Now, this game is not drawn near that since that. Well, no, I shouldn't say not near it. The Florida State-Notre Dame game, talk about things that move the meter, has the second-highest attendance at 68,305. I'm not really sure. Let me see if I can find what the stadium holds. I can't really find it right now. It doesn't look like... I'm assuming it does not hold 74,000 people. Not anymore, anyway. It's Camping World Stadium, for those of you keeping score at home. Let's take a peek here. It looks like its max capacity is about 65, 65, 438, 65, 194. So, yeah, we couldn't even reach couldn't reach what it is. So, you know, as I said in the last segment, if, if Iowa State gets those 30,000 people to come out, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame will travel well. It's Orlando. Our fan base has a lot of money, 35,000, to get that thing filled up, to split it. This could be a nice bowl. This could be one of the better bowls of the bowl season. We're gonna do a bowl pick'em show, and we're gonna talk. I know it's not won't be specifically Notre Dame related, but I love bowl season. Even though I think college football is like the greatest movie ever, every year. This is the analogy I use. It's like the best movie you've ever seen in the last eight minutes. Just make no sense. That's literally what college football is. Have you ever seen a sport that finishes with these type of bowl games? I yeah exactly there's no other sport the only thing that's even comparable might be you know uh, EPL soccer Bundesliga where they finish the season and whoever won the regular season is the champ is kind of like a kind of a screwy ending for those of us that are just used to playoffs but um just looking back on these bowl this bowl itself specifically the blockbuster bowl used to be a Deal. I mean, the next season, you got Alabama, Colorado in year two. You got Stanford, Penn State, 13 versus 21. Um, year two was number eight versus number 15. And then it kind of trailed off when it became the CarQuest Bowl. This was also the Micron PC Bowl, also the Tangerine Bowl. So recently, that you haven't had that much ranked versus ranked. The last time you had ranked versus ranked in this particular bowl was 09, Wisconsin and Miami. But there's been some big-name opponents. I mean, I just mentioned Alabama. We've been here before, Florida State. And this is the last mid-tier bowl that Clemson played in. This was really the jumping-out point, the coming-out party for Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers when they beat uh, Oklahoma 40-6 to in 2014. This was really that, like, here-we-are kind of game. Uh, real quick, I do apologize. I missed this one. It looks like uh, in 2015, you had Baylor at number 18 over a number 10, North Carolina, 49-38. to 38. So you've had some ranked opponents. You've had some big names in this game. I mean, I see... What do we have? We had Miami in this game before. We've had West Virginia, Wisconsin, Florida State a couple times. So... For those of the, those of you out there, kind of poo pooing this game and kind of like uh, this camping world thing, don't don't scoff at it too much. This this can be a good thing, and we 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 do have a decent opponent. It's not what we all hope for, but this isn't this isn't the the lawn bowl or one of those low tier Dollar General bowls. This this is pretty decent. This is solid. The more I'm I'm sleeping on this, I, I don't hate it quite as much. Let's uh, real quick before we finish up the show, I'll let you know that this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com. That's like blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever and whenever an opportunity rises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast, easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at a pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in discreet patch- packaging, so it's easy and convenient. That's that's what we all want. It doesn't matter if you're ordering from a restaurant or you're ordering Blue Chew online. You want easy and convenient. Plus, here's the big part. They're made right here in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, there's no awkwardness. So we don't have awkwardness. It's cheap. It's convenient. What more could you want? Come on now. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, CODE. That's C-O-D-E. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code, CODE, C-O-D-E, to try it for free. BlueChew is better, cheaper, faster, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So thank you, Blue Chew. So let's get to our final topic of the day here. That is Brandon Wimbush. Brandon Wimbush, you may remember that guy. Started the season undefeated last year. We thought he was the answer and got benched. Is one of the only quarterbacks I've ever seen start a season undefeated and then get benched. He is actually not playing in uh, UCF's bowl game. Said it was kind of a mutual decision after sitting down with the coaches just decided that it, you know, he's just going to start preparing for the draft, and I just can't help but think about how much of a disappointment his career was. Um, you know, he came into Notre Dame with a lot of hype behind him. I mean, a lot of hype was behind this kid, and played pretty well in 2015 in his limited limited opportunities. You know, he had that big run against UMass, then he redshirted in 2016, and sometimes I wonder maybe how much different that season could have been had Kelly maybe given him an opportunity instead of the dueling quarterback between Kaiser and um, Zaire. Comes out in 2017, throws for 1870, has 16 touchdowns, six picks, led the team to a 10-win year. It really got all this kick-started as Notre Dame has achieved their third 10-win season. Then last year, again, played in six games last year, beat up on Florida State, but just – you know, just didn't have that efficiency. And after watching him live a few times, he was waiting for guys to get open, and the windows are so small. They're small even in high school now. As you guys probably know, me and my team, we cover high school football locally. The windows are getting smaller and smaller, the better these athletes are getting. And you just can't wait till guys get open. You know, even in high school, you can't wait till they get open in high school. So just think Division One college football, you cannot wait for these guys to get open. You have to be able to take advantage and anticipate routes and trust your wide receivers. And it was just something Brandon couldn't get done. And unfortunately, it led him to transfer from the program. And I really think that he thought he was going to start but he finished his career at UCF with only playing in 5 games. He was 13 of 24 for 167, two passing touchdowns. He was going to be converted to wide receiver. He never really even did get to show his legs. He only rushed for 48 yards on 11 attempts down there. Uh, it word is and he mentions it during this in this article that he's probably going to enter the draft as as an athlete. Um doesn't mean quarterback's done for him, but he even mentions that he's trying to kind of do what Taysom Hill is doing for the Saints, and to that I say, good luck. (laughs) He said he's going to enter the draft as an athlete, said sort of like a Taysom Hill, it'll be fun. Well, Taysom is one of a kind. He is is a heck of an athlete, and I'm not sure that Wimbush has the ability to be that, but he hasn't really concentrated on any other position yet. So I'll be interested to see how that all pans out to him. And I say, good luck, Brandon. I would have been interested to see what he could have done on this year's team. Had he have had the opportunity. And I wonder also if he would have transferred knowing he was just going to switch positions anyway, something to think about. So that's it for the show today, guys. Appreciate everybody out there listening. Remember, locked on Irish on Facebook, locked on Irish Twitter. This show can be found anywhere you get your podcast. Tomorrow's Thursday edition of the Locked On Irish podcast. The Echo Awards are coming up on Friday, so I'm gonna pick my own Echo Award winners, and we'll talk a little bit more about obviously the Camping World Bowl. We'll beat this whole topic to death. Um, we'll talk position battles going into next year and also talk a little bit about Notre Dame football recruiting. So again, appreciate you guys listening. Have a great one and we'll get back at you tomorrow. Go Irish.